Well, good morning. My name is Aaron Stritzel, and I'm super excited to be joining you at The Well this morning. Of course, I'm super excited every time I get to join you all, but I'm especially excited today because I get to talk about something that I'm passionate about that's sort of a leading edge for me that's newer, and that is called creation spirituality. Uh, originally coined by a, a, a Episcopal priest named Matthew Fox. Here's, here's a picture of Matthew Fox. He uh, started off as a Catholic, became a Dominican priest, and he got booted out of the Catholic Church, which immediately I'm like, well, I'm drawn to you because your story seems kind of compelling, and anybody who gets kicked out of a church, um, something interesting is going on, right? Eventually, he found his way to the Episcopal Church. He's an Episcopal priest now, but he's, I mean, he's written over 35 books. Um, uh, I haven't read most of them. Uh, again, I have a couple books. I've read some of his stuff. Creation Spirituality is a newer edge for me. And so you get to hear the first sermon that I ever give on Creation Spirituality. Um, so you can give me a little feedback. If it's negative feedback, be gentle and kind of, you know, send me a private message or something like that. But I hope that you'll find creation spirituality, at least some aspects of it, compelling. Creation spirituality begins in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 is a poem, a poem where God creates in six days. And at the end of each day, as all poems have, a sort of rhythm to it. So we read the following. At the end of each day, we read that God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and it was morning, the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and the sixth day. And at the end of chapter one in Genesis, we read the following. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So God creates and then says it is very good. Notice there's nothing about evil. There's nothing bad. There's nothing wrong. In fact, the Creator, God, says it is so good. And perhaps you've heard the phrase original sin before. Original sin is this belief that we are passed down from Adam. Uh, first of all, it takes the Adam and Eve story literally, like Adam was a, a physical person, which I don't uh, take that literally. <clears throat> but what original sin implies is that we are born from a wee little baby, we are born sinful with the urge to do evil, basically broken, depraved, um, some other words. We, we are condemned to hell from the start. Not exactly, not exactly a good launching point, right? But the interesting thing is that original sin is found nowhere in the Bible. I was shocked when I first heard that. Like, I was taught from such a young age about... Now, most people didn't use the phrase original sin. They used you know, sinful nature or you're a sinner. Um, but I was taught that growing up. So I kind of picked that up. And with that comes a whole lot of shame. This belief that I'm condemned to hell. I'm damned to hell. And that if I don't accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I go to this eternal conscious torment where I will burn forever and ever without any chance of ever changing the way. So the understanding then as creation spirituality, it, it rejects original sin and says, no, it's original blessing. What, some people, well, Matthew Fox calls original blessing. Others call original goodness or uh, different words. But it's this idea that, no, 
we are inherently good. We're created in the image of the divine that all creation is good. We, you are good. You are a beloved child of God. Where you begin the short story shapes the entire story. It shapes the gospel, the framework of original blessing, which is where, where creation spirituality begins. It goes something like this. You were born in goodness or blessing. Somewhere along the way, made some mistakes. Right? You hid some things. And with that was brokenness, suffering, and shame. The good news is that mistakes, they did not separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from the divine. God is always with you, will never leave you. You will always be a beloved child of God. And the invitation, and this is key, the invitation is to partner with God for the hope, healing, and reconciliation of the world. So the good news is that God is working right here and right now and that we are in part invited to be a part of that. Yes, as a church, but as individuals in our workplaces, in our families, and everywhere that we interact, that God is working to bring healing and hope and reconciliation into the world. And we're invited to be a part of that process. It seems like much better news. That actually seems like good news. The first doesn't seem like such good news, does it? Uh, there's a story that Matthew Fox tells in one of his uh, teachings that I listened to about the first missionaries to East Africa. There's two, two missionaries. They're both Lutheran missionaries, <clears throat> and they journey. And to their credit, they take two years to learn the language of the indigenous people there. Two years. And then they finally, at the end of those two years, they, they launch their worship service, and they invite everybody. They get everybody there after the service as people are leaving they invite them, hey, come back. And, and, and most of the people say, no, we don't want to come back. And then they say, well, why? Why don't you want to come back? And, and they say, well, because you didn't use dance and drums and singing and celebration and food and festivals. We're used to that kind of worship. This isn't appealing to us. And then the missionary said, well, that's because you're sinners. And so the Africans said, well, what is a sinner? And when the missionaries began to share, this is what a sinner is, they said, well, who has been slandering us? <laughs> and that was their reaction, right? And the missionaries said, well, actually, we're all sinners. And Jesus came to kind of pave that way to redeem us. And thus, Jesus says to all of us that you are loved by God. And so this was the Africans' response. Well, we already know we're loved by God. God gives us the sunshine and the rain and the food, the children, the clothing, our music, and our beer. <laughs> like, yeah, those, are, those are good kind of people, right? Like, we understand God loves us because we have good beer, right? And we celebrate and we sing and we rejoice and we see God. It's interesting that they needed missionaries to come to tell them, no, you're actually sinners and you're not loved and you're condemned, but you can be redeemed, right? It's interesting how they, they had to change their frame of contact. See, I think, I think the good news is calling for the identity. There's so much hurt, I think, has been done in the name of original sin. It's perhaps, in my opinion, one of, if not the most destructive doctrines and beliefs out there. Um, Brene Brown, who's researched shame, uh, has shaped so much of the way that I understand the gospel because I understand that, you know, first, people don't need to be told that they're, 
they messed up. They don't need to be told. They don't need heaps of shame on them. In fact, I think most people, we kind of feel that. Like, we know we've messed up. I know. I, I yell at my kids sometimes. I lose my temper, right? I, I mess up, right? I, I covet other things. I, I long for things I know won't be lasting fulfillment in me, right? And so, instead of shame, original the creation spirituality starts with original blessing original goodness that your identity is a beloved child of god now that's good news if you're interested in exploring more uh, like this concept is fascinating or challenging and you want to dive more deeply here's a few resources for you first a couple of books there original blessing by matthew fox um, it was actually written quite a while ago a more recent one original blessing putting sin in its rightful place um, it's another great book by Danielle Schroyer. Podcasts. Just if you Google Danielle Schroyer on Original Blessing, you'll find all kinds of podcasts. Um, she's probably one of the more recent uh, researchers in this area. But it's fascinating. Once you kind of dive into it, you're like, oh my gosh, I, uh, I was deceived. I was lied to. That, that we're actually good. That creation is good. So creation spirituality starts there. That, that that's important. So I spent a lot of time on that because that's an important part of it. But then it goes through and it gives us four different paths of spirituality, four different spiritual paths um, that we cultivate as we pursue God. So the first path, or actually here's the four paths. I'll just lay them out to you. The first one is via positiva. Second is via negativa. The third is via cre creativa. And the fourth is via transformativa or transformativa. The first path. So we're going to kind of talk about all of these. And then I'll kind of go through and summarize. And the first path is the via positiva. It's rooted in the theology of original blessing again. Via positiva is simply our response to that, which is a response of wonder and awe to all of creation, which is very, very good. The cosmos. Everything is reflective of the divine. Everything is beautiful. Everything is full of wonder. So our response to that is to say, wow, this is beautiful. And the, the Psalms, the psalmist writes, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This idea that we can touch and taste and see and understand and experience the goodness and the beauty of God and the beauty of all of creation. Have you ever had a meal that was just over the top amazing? Have you ever seen a sunset or a sunrise? Have you ever sipped coffee early in the morning and sat back and looked outside and just been in awe? Have you ever had good wine or a good beer, right? Um, or you've been driving, had to pull over because you live in Arizona and they have like the best sunsets ever, right? And you just have to watch the sunset. Uh, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel once said this, never once in my life did I ask God for success or wisdom or power or fame. I asked God for wonder, and he gave it to me. Now, now I have to admit, the first time I heard this phrase, this quote was from Rob Bell, and I was like, well, I didn't ask for, well, I want success, you know? <laughs> like, I do, I want success, and why wonder? And then as I thought about it a little bit more, I realized, oh, I had two kids, and when, I mean, they're still young, but when they were really young, you know, just walking down a path and just seeing their eyes light up, the rocks and the bugs and everything, the plants, everything was just full of wonder. See, wonder and awe lead to joy, lead to a life of joy. 
the absence of wonder and law, uh, wonder and awe uh, is sadness and depression. It's so, so wonder and awe play such a huge role in our lives. And in fact, part of the reason why we might struggle with that in our society is because we're so busy, we're so distracted. I, I mean, it's a cliche phrase, but we don't stop and smell the roses, right? Right? I mean, we'll see the sunset, we'll see this, we'll see that, and we'll just keep going to the next thing. So at the end of each one of these four paths, I want to offer a practice to cultivate each of these four spiritual paths. The first one, via positiva, um, a practice is to spend time in nature. Spend time unrushed, where you don't need to get to a location. This isn't, I'm hiking a mountaintop, I'm doing this, although you can hike to the mountaintop and then spend time, but where you have an hour or two, not rushed, nothing else to do, where you just look and see what jumps up to you. Open up your senses and see. Cultivate. Jesus said, let let the, you, you, let the little children come to me, but also your faith must be like the faith of a child. And I suspect there's something about a faith of a child is a faith of wonder and awe that we need to cultivate in our own lives. So that's the first path is the via positiva. The second one kind of leads into that and helps somewhat balance that is the via negativa. This is, this is the shadow. This is the darkness. This is, this is also the spirituality that, that the Christian mystics might refer to as apophatic. Now, Christian mystics and contemplatives will talk about two different kinds of spirituality. The, the cataphatic is the spirituality, theology, and prayer that uses words and images and symbols or ideas. And the apophatic theology and prayer and spirituality is really a spirituality of negation. Apophatic prayer, well, I guess maybe let me start. Cataphatic prayer is, is an important part of our prayer life. It's where we ask God for things. It's where we talk to God. Apophatic prayer is more about listening stilling ourselves, opening ourselves up. It's wordless prayer, centering prayer, meditation, something like that. The via negativa is also about the pain and the suffering. It's about plunging that, that instead of perfection, what we're after is wholeness. Wholeness means integration. It's, it's accepting all parts of who we are. And by the way, if we start with the original blessing, then accepting the other parts of us is so much easier because we understand what well, God accepts us, even the broken parts of us. And so the via negativa um, is much more to do with subtraction than addition. It's not about accumulating more. Actually, it's about letting things go, about opening yourself up. It embraces the darkness and the shadows, those places that we would pretend at times we like to pretend aren't there, that we kind of like to stay hidden. And sometimes they're readily apparent. And other times, honestly, these are things we're sometimes unconscious about. Um, the Enneagram is a helpful tool uh, for me. And it's one of those tools that helps you kind of see your shadows in some ways and see what motivates you and kind of watch yourself in that way. So that might be a helpful tool. If you look back on the places where you have grown the most in your life, I'm willing to bet it's places where you struggled. It's those seasons that were difficult. The Via Negativa says, oh, those difficult parts, the wilderness experiences that you have in your life are actually an important part of your spirituality. They're not meant to be rejected or avoided. They're meant to be embraced with an open 
kind of an openness that says, what, what am I being invited to learn? So a practice to sort of cultivate the via negativa might be this. It might be um, if you don't already have a practice of contemplative prayer, of either centering prayer or meditation, to maybe begin to explore that and see what happens and find the ways. And, you know, perhaps another practice might be when you find yourself going through those wilderness experiences, those difficult seasons of your life, um, not avoiding it, not pretending like it's not there, but just asking yourself, what am I being invited into this season? What, what am I being invited to learn to grow into this season? And so the third path of, of um, creation spirituality is the via creativa. This idea of God as creator has been one of the most impactful names for God creator uh, for me as of more recent. As, as I reflect on and draw more towards nature and creation itself, this idea of God created. Now, I think that science teaches us that the world is 13.7 billion years old. So maybe the Genesis stories, there's two different stories. We, we've talked about that at the well before. But maybe those stories aren't necessarily meant to be taken literally. But still, I believe that doesn't discount God's creative power. Actually, the longer something takes to create, the more patience someone has, the more beauty it has, right? I mean, Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel in like four years. I mean, imagine if it took him six months. Now, it'd still probably be, you know, a wonder. But the fact that somebody took four years to create something doesn't make it less meaningful. It actually makes it more meaningful. Um, <clears throat> in recent years, I've been drawn to poetry. Um, I don't know why. It speaks, um, it speaks to my heart. It sort of opens up something. I started writing poetry, and as I've written poetry, now I'm never going to win a prize. Um, never going to win a Nobel Peace Prize or anything else for my poetry getting out there. Um, and that's not why I write. I write because what I find is when I do write, it taps into the creative within, and it sort of opens me up to, to something. That when you tap into, I, I think we all are creative. And I, I, I used to not think I was a creative person, but I think we're all born creative. And somewhere along the lines, whether it's in kindergarten, somebody makes fun of our finger painting, or it's in third grade and we're doing a little doodle and somebody makes fun of it. Or at some point in time, we're taking a class, art class or whatever, we compare ourselves to other people and we see they're so much better than us. Like, oh, that they're creative. I must not be, right? And I don't think that's true at all. I do believe that not only do I believe that there's a creative within each of us, I believe that it's absolutely essential that we tap into the creative within us. Um, recently I was um, preaching at both of our churches, on, preaching to four graduates. Really it was a graduation celebration and one of the key things out of two is tap into the creative within you because we our society needs to find creative new ways to be and do things in the world. We need to find creative new ways to engineer things. We need to find creative new ways to go at our health and our sort of public health and, and, and the medicine that we take. We, we need to find creative new ways to build. We need to engineer things so that we're not using less fossil fuels, right? We're finding ways to use renewable energy. We need to find ways of doing business that 
um, doesn't just look at profit, but also people and the planet. Like we need to infuse creativity in all aspects. You, you might think, well, I'm a numbers guy or I'm a scientifically minded person. We need creative scientists, right? We need to tap into that. Um, so don't tell yourself that you're not a creative. I, I heard that and I was like, I'm so not a creative. So I, <laughs> you are a creative. And just embrace it and say, what ways might I be a creative? Now, um, it, it, tapping into that creative side, I, I'm going to pick on Matt and Jackie for a second because they're friends of mine. I know them. They lead worship here at the well often. Um, but I imagine when they write music and play music and sing, I imagine something is unlocked within them, similar to for me in poetry or whatever it might be, right? There's something unlocked, it's sort of this flow in them that they don't get in other ways. And so by writing and playing music, they tap into that and we get to enjoy it too, right? And so it's twofold there, right? Um, so tap in to the creativity within you. There's probably no greater time in history the via creativa is saying, God is a creator God. God created us and said, you have been created in my image. And part of that, if not one of the biggest parts of that is the creativity within us. The creativity of God is within each of you. Did I hammer that in enough? Like you are creative. Um, maybe I'm just preaching to the choir here and I need it a lot. Um, so a practice. Um, it, it, can you set aside time to engage in a creative process? Uh, it might be poetry, it might be writing, it might be sculpting, it might be painting, it might be gardening, right? Um, but can you tap into designing or reading fiction or something, writing fiction, right? Writing novel or writing short stories or... There's so many different ways, right? Rearranging, designing your room. Uh, we're getting ready to move here in a few weeks. Um, and what I l love is our oldest son, actually both of our boys, they're designing their room right now. They're putting where they're going to put their, their, um, their beds and where they're going to put their um, couch if they can get a couch and where they're going to put their desk and how they're going to set up their room. Um, and again, I think there's something beautiful about that within young people that we tend to lose. We, whether, you know, people made fun of us or we just compared ourselves to others, um, we, we often lose that as adults or we kind of just shovel it off and say, well, I'm, I'm not an artist. I, I don't know how to play the piano or, you know, paint. And so we're just like, I'm not a creative, right? But the create, uh, the Via Creativa is a, an opportunity, an invitation to cultivate that important part of who we are. The fourth path, uh, the Via Transformativa, is about justice and compassion. Everything flows into and through this path. The Hebrew Bible, or what we often call the Old Testament, is full of prophets who really are there, they call people back and say, wait, 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 wait. What is the core of the religious life? How you treat others and how you orient your society. Are you treating others in fairness and justice? 
In fact, most of the time, the prophets are calling people back to that and saying, hey, you, you've left that. You, you've mistaken worship for something else. One of my favorite texts, both my wife and my favorite texts, and in fact, our um, oldest son is named after this book, Micah 6, 6 through 8. And the prophet Micah says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with cows a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God? Oh, I love that. Justice, kindness or compassion, and humility. And when I when I think of all the things going on, I'm like, what is spiritual? What is the core of this? And how do I simplify things? I'm like, oh yeah, justice and compassion and humility. I kind of reframe back down to this. But you, you hear Micah's uh, prophetic calling is saying, hey, none of those other things matter. Now, hopefully attending church like you are doing here today, or some of you might be watching this online, but you're a part of a community, that can be an important part. But that's not the the thing that hopefully practices like being a part of a faith community point us to is they begin to form us internally so that we move out and we be more compassionate and justice-oriented in our lives. And Jesus summarizes this when he says the following, Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. The goal of the spiritual life is not just personal piety or holiness, what we don't engage in, but how we engage in the world. It's meant to reorient us, to, to, to put on different lenses so that we see reality in a different way. Jesus called it the kingdom of God. So it's right here, right now. And then he embodied it. How did he embody justice and compassion? By healing people, by speaking out against unjust systems, by feeding people by spending time with people who have been marginalized and outcast. And in, in a sense, he not only taught, but he embodied what it looks like to live out this justice in the world. Matthew Fox, in summarizing the four spiritual paths, he writes the following. He says this, Our personal spiritual life is not ended with creativity, but rather we are to employ creativity for the sake of personal and social transformation. Justice and compassion are the tests of this authentic deployment. A couple weeks ago, I was at our youngest son, Liam, uh, his school, and they were doing a track and field day. So I got to sit outside. It was a gorgeous day here in Montana. And I just sat outside um, and I watched him as he kicks him and his whole uh, class. And then all these other, they had like... Um, six to eight different setups so they would go and they would kick the soccer ball he'd see who could kick it the farthest and they would move over and then they would toss the football and then they move over and they do these different races and they move over and they do frisbee and then they move over and they grab a snack and then they would move over and long distance jump right and then they would move over and do the wheelbarrow races and the hops you know with the the uh, what is that called where well, you, you put on the potato bag and you hop across um <clears throat> it's actually i haven't seen that done in a while it was it was a lot harder than uh, then I remember just at least watching it. Um, and after um, we were all finished, I took him out of school early and we walked down to the pie shop and he got a key lime pie 
and I got a bourbon pecan pie, both with a scoop of ice cream, and we just got to sit and eat. And uh, I'm gonna try not to tear up, but I walk home, I get home and I learn about the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And I didn't know how many lives were lost at that point. Um, but as I read a little bit, it, it seemed like there was at least one 10 year old and it just hit me. And, and the next day I went to a coffee shop to get some work done and I read about 19 people, kids who lost their lives. Many of them were fourth grader, 10 year olds, two teachers. And I just sat out in the school while that was going on, watching someone's joy and excitement. And as you can see now, I'm trying not to tear up, kind of holding those back. But I started just not bawling, but just tears were flowing. And I was at a coffee shop and I couldn't stop. And I said, I have to do something with this, right? And, and so I tapped into my creative creative side. I, I just find that's an outlet for me. And, and I wrote this following poem as I was reading about the story of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. I'd just like to read it to you. It's titled Uvalde. The violence and the pain, the tears, the broken hearts. Young people in our country are growing up in a world where school shootings are not uncommon. Not uncommon? This is not okay. This is not justice. Something is broken. Mothers and fathers waiting late into the night to learn if it was their beloved child whose life was taken. I think about my old 10-year-old son. I was watching him yesterday at a track and field day while 19 children and two teachers were being murdered. He's growing up in a world where school shootings are not uncommon. This is not okay. This is not justice. Something is broken. And so justice and compassion is the fourth path. So as I close our time, um, I, I, maybe a practice for the via transformativa might be what, what are you passionate about? What, what forms of justice? Uh, well, what is something that you can learn about and grow into and, and work towards? That you can find um, ways to contribute to the injustices? Now, that mean, mean poverty or may mean, you know, food insecurity or, I mean, a whole number of things. For some people, it's adopting children. It's, you know, there's so many different ways. But what is that one thing that you're like, oh, this has been speaking to me lately? I want to learn more and kind of begin to take some steps towards giving myself to that. So I've been drawn to creation spirituality. First, I've been drawn to original blessing for a, a number of years. But with creation spirituality, for me, it pays a holistic approach. The, the four paths are, are kind of like the north, south, east, and west. Like it's cultivating a holistic approach to spirituality. And the truth is you're like, well, why four? Well, the reality is you can get stuck at any one of them. You probably have. We've probably seen people who have been stuck. You can get stuck at the, the Via Positiva where everything is awesome. Everything's great. Look at, oh, I'm living in wonder and awe. Everything's, everything's unicorns and roses. And, you know, uh, my wife and I, we talk about people like that sometimes. And we're just like, yeah, throw, throw up in your mouth. Like, don't speak anything negative. Just put out positive energy. Just, you know, 
take the negative and just pretend like it doesn't exist and whatever you put into the world and the universe is what you get back so only put out positive and you're like that's bs right like no way not everything is good in the world right uh, but that so we can get stuck in the via positiva but it's an important part to cultivate awe and wonder perhaps one of the most important parts the via negativa again it's about addressing and acknowledging the pain and the suffering the darkness the wilderness the letting go the opening up the not just the cataphatic the apophatic and bringing those spiritualities together and saying I'm not going to just talk to God, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to ask when I go through those, those hard seasons, when I experience something hard at work or in a relationship, what can I learn from this? Then the via creativa. Some people get stuck on the creative. They're just artists. All I want to do is create and create and create and just kind of be in my own world. Sometimes I totally romanticize that. Like I just want to move away to some mountaintop in a cabin and just write poetry like that sounds pretty awesome um, but you're also disengaging from the world and Jesus doesn't seem to disengage right and some people get stuck in symbols or images or metaphors and kind of get stuck there and the fourth path the the create uh, the via transformativa there I go said it um, pat myself on the back there um, uh, some people get stuck in working for justice without developing and cultivating any sort of spirituality, which, which can lead to burnout or worse. People just angrily working and shouting, and and you're actually not helping. You're making things worse. I, I've heard stories from a number of different people who have really given themselves to that work and found that they get burnt out and exhausted because it's not from a place of joy and abundance and celebration and creativity. It's from a place of sort of responsibility and that weighs on you right and so it's a holistic approach it invites us <clears throat> creation spirituality invites us to begin with the good and the blessing and the original inherent goodness and then to live from a place of awe and wonder to acknowledge the dark side of us and to invite a creative within as we work for justice and compassion in the world when Matthew Fox first set out to study he he was going to move to Paris to study spirituality and he asked this question what is the relationship if any between mysticism and social justice and I'll end here what is the relationship between mysticism and social justice you could say you could say spirituality and social concern right the, the inner life and journey and the external life and journey what is the relationship and it led him to discover creation spirituality and put this framework together that says there is an important connection between that there is a mystic within each of us and by mystic i mean there's a part of us that seeks so deeply to connect to the divine that, that seeks so deeply to open ourselves up that we know that there, there's a part of us that yearns and longs for God. And there is a prophet within each of us. It might look different, right? That, that's not the point. The point is there's a prophet that seeks to live out compassion and justice in the world. And these two are like breathing, right? We inhale and exhale, right? We need both the inhale and the exhale. We, we need the inner journey and the mystical. And we need justice and the social 
in the world. And honestly, Jesus seems to embody this. So my prayer for each of you who are watching this is that something I said resonated with you. Again, this is a sort of growing edge for me. This is a newer exploration for me, especially the four paths, right? But I hope something I said resonated, connected, spoke to you. And my prayer for each of us, myself included, is that we tap into the mystic and the prophet in deeper ways. For our world is hurting and it's in need of some healing, isn't it? Let's pray. Gracious God, we create our God. As we learned about creation care last week and connecting and seeing your all of your creation as beloved. And this week we talked about original blessing and this idea that you are creator and created all things very good. May it bring a sense of wonder and awe to us this week, even now, as we reflect on the life that we get to live. May we also embrace the via negativa, the the, the struggles, the suffering, the pain, and our shadows. May we be open to learning from that, to not avoiding it, but to seeking to bring integration and wholeness. May we tap into the creative within us. And lastly, may we work for justice and compassion in our world. May we be formed by your compassion. And as Jesus said, be ye compassionate as your Father in heaven is compassionate. God, may your love melt away the areas of our life that are hardened, that are not compassionate. We need compassion in our world, compassion for those who we like and compassion for those who we do not like. And yet let us not neglect injustice. May we tap into the mystic and the prophet in deeper way. We ask these things through the power of Christ and the Creator. Amen.